Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. The untamable tongue. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, all able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boast great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the same image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Fiery words, James chapter 3. James continues his look into the Christian life this morning in our text. And he writes about something that probably hits home close to to most of us, or at least has in the past. And that, of course, is taming the tongue. A person's speech talks and says a lot about their heart. Through our words is probably the easiest and the most common way for us to make our sinfulness known to other people. There's a lot of evil things we could do in this world. There's a lot of sins that we could can commit. But there are some sins that, that, quite honestly, we may just not be able to ever commit them in our life. Maybe because we don't have the opportunity to commit that sin. Maybe we don't have the interest to commit that sin. Maybe we don't have the desire to do so. For example, most people here will never murder someone. We will never physically kill someone out of, out of anger, out of wrath, murder. Maybe we don't have the strength to do it. Maybe we'd like to, but maybe we don't have the strength to do it. Or maybe it's not worth the risk. It's not worth getting caught and thrown in prison. But most of us will never physically murder someone, which is a sin. So that's a sin that we'll probably never, ever do. However, there are no limits 
as to what we can think and then say about that person. We might even say something like, oh, I'd like to kill them. You'd really be mad at them. You would never act on it. But thinking it and saying it is sin to God, just as doing it would be. And each of us is capable of saying anything. And many of us throughout our lives have probably said many things we shouldn't have. So Jesus, uh, James compares the, the tongue to several things in our everyday life. He tells us that a little spark can start a forest fire. And no doubt, living in the, the country, living in rural Pennsylvania, we're familiar with that. We like to have, many of us probably like to have campfires during the summer. But we know that we need to be careful because a stray spark, and especially when we have the dry conditions or dry leaves on the ground, a little spark can get away from that fire and start a forest fire. And we know that to be true. The tongue is the same way. The power of words is tremendous. Fire can get out of control so rapidly and destruction can occur so quickly. But what about words? The same applies to that as well. Your words can get out of control quickly too and cause destruction in your relationships with the people around you. Your words can hurt people. can make them bitter towards you. It can change you. Compulsive liars, as I've said before, compulsive liars eventually begin to believe their own lies. They don't think they're lying. They believe what they say is true. They believe the story they're telling, that's the way it actually happened. They can no longer distinguish between the truth and a lie. And therefore, other people, knowing that, can never know when they're telling the truth or when they're lying. So you can't believe those type of people. And they can only tell a lie when they're talking. So Satan loves it when we're talking. Satan knows human nature. He knows us very well. He knows mankind very well. So he loves it when people are talking. Because he knows the more we talk, the more opportunity we have to say something bad, something stupid, something mean, something hurtful, something sinful. I've read that it's been estimated that the average person says about 30,000 words every day. 30,000 words. I'm sure we all know people that speak double that. There's no doubt about that. But 30,000 words. And I, in my word process, when word perfect, you can count how many words. And in my message today, in my sermon, there's about 2,000 words. So I'll have 2,000 here and 2,000 at Uniontown. So there's 4,000 already. And I'll, a lot of times I say things that aren't in my notes either. So I'm probably approaching 5,000. But think of the destruction that 30,000 words per day, per person, 
can do. And no doubt, you know people that there's not ever a nice thing that comes out of their mouth. They never have a nice thing to say. It's always a complaint or it's always putting someone down. 30,000 words a day. The tongue cannot be tamed. We cannot control our tongues except with the power of God working in us. The tongue can condemn people. It can control people. You can manipulate them. And it can corrupt people. But, when you have the Spirit of God, the power of God working in your life, your words can also bring your faith and your works together. If your heart's obedient to God, then your words should demonstrate your love for God as well. Going back to that fire illustration, you know, we all like to have campfires, you know, mainly because we do it for fun these days. Roast some marshmallows, maybe make some mountain pies or s'mores or hot dogs or whatever it is you're doing. We enjoy sitting around the campfire in the summertime in particular. But our lives would be very different without fire. We wouldn't have warmth. That furnace right now, yeah, technically it's not fire, as we call it, but if you would open up the open up the furnace downstairs, you would see a flame. It is fire. It's just not a campfire. That's keeping us warm. Without fire, we would have no way to cook our food. Yes, most of us have electric stoves today, but where does that electric come from? A coal-fired plant, chances are, in most cases. So fire keeps us warm. Fire helps us cook our food. So fire is a good thing when it's controlled, when it's in a, a burn box in your house, keeping your house warm, when it's at the power plant generating electricity for you. It's a good thing. But left unattended, fire can get out of hand and cause massive destruction. And the same applies to our words. We as Christians may talk the talk, meaning we say we're faithful followers of Jesus. But are we walking the walk? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we doing what Jesus did? Are we living the Christian life? Or are we just talking about it? We're not perfect, as I said many times before. We are followers of Jesus Christ. But we are still tainted by sin in this fallen world. And our words sometimes are inconsistent, as James says. We bless people and we curse people. It builds people up, but yet we can also tear people down. It's amazing. Inconsistent. And we need to remember that only God can completely tame our tongue. And we live our life in the submission to the will of God and joyfully accept what God places into our life. And this is one of the things that uh, James mentions here. Well, one thing that, that I think we forget is the fact that each and every one of us is made 
in the image of God. And that comes right out of Genesis, the beginning. Let us make man in our image. Sometimes we forget that. People, all people, are made in the image of God. Saddam Hussein was made in the image of God. Adolf Hitler was made in the image of God. Sure, they chose paths against the will of God. And we, by society's standards, have labeled them as bad, evil people, which is, is, is true. But, on their deathbed, had they repented and received Jesus Christ into their lives, we will see them in eternity with Christ. And we need to remember that. I would highly doubt that those two examples did that. But if they did, God forgives them and accepts them into heaven with Him. And that's what we need to remember. People are made in the image of God. So when you're degrading someone with your words, it is like degrading the image of God. And your words show others where your heart is at. Do you have nice words? Do you say kind things to people, even when you're under pressure? Or are your words mean and nasty? Your words show your true self. So think about your words this week especially and see if you can spot any inconsistencies in them and your actions as well. Think about your past week. Did you brag and boast to others about something? Did you lie, slander someone, gossip about someone, curse someone, make some off-colored comments, spread some rumors, yell or argue with someone? And I suspect to some extent maybe we all did. Sometimes discussions do turn into arguments. But maybe some of these things you see are more prevalent in your life. And they trip you up. They catch you a little bit more than others. We cannot change our past. What we've done, we've done. What we've said, we've said. We can't take back those words. But we can change today. We can be the person that God wants us to be. Our words don't have to tear us down. We can use our words to build up instead. Tongue has tremendous power. It can be used for good or it can be used for evil. We can encourage others rather than telling them they are a failure. We can comfort them when they are sad. We can praise them when they've done well. We can be supportive of them when they're struggling. But most importantly with our words, we can proclaim the word of God to them. Telling them, explaining to them, teaching them about Christ. We should make our speech focus on the positive things of life rather than the negative. Each and every day of our life, no matter where we're at or what we're doing, we have to deal with people. And we'll have to, in particular, probably deal with difficult people. But we can deal with them with the power of God on our side, 
as we receive Jesus Christ into our lives and live in submission to his will. Our tongue will be tamed. And a true believer possesses a sanctified tongue, yet they must maintain it. God gives us the power to control our tongue. The question is, will we use that power to control it? Will we use it for good? Or will we use it for evil? Nowhere is the relationship between faith and works more evident than in a person's speech. Oh yes, faith without works is dead. Meaning we have to do stuff to show our faith. That's how we show our faith. But we can only do so much in a day. But we've got 30,000 words to praise God. 30,000 words a day. So what will be disclosed by what you say this week? Your speech is a reasonable and probably a reliable measure of your spiritual temperature. Are you burning with a heart for God? or burning with desire for this world. Your speech will let others know. Let's close with a prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for our time in your word this morning. We ask that you will tame our tongues. Make them a source for life rather than a source of evil. And help our hearts to be shown to others through our words and our actions this week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.